0: did you ever think you were man I feel I'm supposed I take sweet victory I know this life meant for me yeah why would you bet on Goliath when we got bad David value payment giving values contagious this world of entrepreneurs we get no value to hate it out of running homie look what I become I'm the one uh third on all strikeouts uh, all-time strikeout leader first pitcher ever to start a season in 20, uh, 2001 with 20 and one. No one's ever done that before. MVP, five strikeout titles, 354 wins. I can give you a bunch of different stats on what he's done. One time, he pitched game four of the 2000 ALCS, game, uh, uh, and then right afterwards, game two of the World Series, logging in 17 shutout innings and let only three hits in those 17 innings with 24 strikeouts and an expert, when it comes on to movies, give it up to Roger Clemens. How you doing, man?
1: Doing good, guys. I need you as my agent. Let's go. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know some of those right there. That's but, pretty good. Uh, let's
0: be clear. Roger is more than just
2: a baseball player. Yes. Okay. So we had with you. Uh,
0: <laughs> Antonio Brown wanted us to make sure that uh, the audience knew you're not from Liberty City. You're more than a baseball player. You, <laughs> family you man. have a family. Your kids. Uh, uh, is it three out of four? Is it... Uh, uh,
1: all four, all four boys start with the letter K. It started with Kobe. I punched out 20 and 86 and uh, he wasn't on his way to be born and uh so instead of with the C i we threw the K in there and we kept trying for a girl, so but the Ks kept coming so uh just four, like your four, career, the K's, Ks kept coming. yeah, just it's like that four quarter.
0: boys all start with K four boys. But is, is it? Let me get it. Kobe, Cody, Corey, and uh, Casey.
1: Man, that's pretty good. It's a tongue twister, but that's pretty good.
0: If you guys were gonna have a girl, did you know what the name was gonna be with the K? Carissa. Carissa. Yeah, I like Al- that.
1: Almost adopted a gal, uh, a little, a little one. Um, man, she was tugging at my heart. We were at a a, a deal, an outing where some uh, kids were uh, getting placed with different homes and and uh it was close I mean I was pulling at my heartstrings for sure
0: Roger out of the out of your four boys how many made it into the major leagues I know we just talked about three of them
1: yeah three of the four all played uh professionally um, number two actually graduated from court on blue he's a chef and in real estate hmm. and uh, he played a little football had his kneecaps reset so I said can we try something different you know and uh but yeah I, I you know I I'll always played the dad role I tell everybody that uh, until you know, Casey, um, my number three child, Casey, just retired from the Blue Jays, and uh, he was a big reason why I got hooked up to come down and get to uh, do this uh, uh, with you guys. And um, the youngest one, Cody, is a uh, second baseman, can play multiple positions. He's he's with the Philadelphia Phillies, just was traded this offseason from the Detroit Tigers. So, but uh, I love it that they play, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the game that we all love, and um, you know, it's life lessons, teaches along, teaching them to get along. But like I told them, I'm glad that they were all Americans at the University of Texas. I'm more proud that they graduated from McCombs Business School. And a quick shout-out when I say that, Red McCombs just passed away not too long ago. Red was a, uh, a pillar uh, around Austin at the University of Texas. And and, Red
0: and
2: McCombs.
1: Huh? And, and yeah. it's,
0: it's a very, very uh, respected uh, school. Uh, uh, yeah, my wife yeah. and I, we lived in Plano for five years, and my wife's from Houston. I mean, she We met in L.A., but we lived in Dallas for five years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when you mentioned that school, uh, salute, respect at the highest level. May he rest in peace. I, was I was
2: Red were, McCombs also the owner of the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, that is a great question. I, I, well, I, I you know. sure you pull, you pull that up? The, is it the same Red McCombs I'm thinking of?
0: Type in Vikings to see if that comes up. There you go. Yeah, oh, he right. was. Oh, yeah. Good for yeah. you. I've heard that yeah. name for years because my family's from Minnesota. Yeah. Good, good call right there. Hey. So, so, but you, you know what's one of the things I saw, which was kind of cool? Can you pull up the clip? I think it's Cody pitching. Oh, yeah. And, you and did you see that one right there? He's yes. pitching. If you yeah. see this one here, which is sick, <laughs> uh, he's pitching against Shohei Otani. And watch what happens here. It's a really neat thing to see. Watch this.
2: ...to the story that I just learned. Cody Clements, who struck out <laughs> Shohei Ohtani last night. Apparently Look how got giddy the right there. ...from Shohei Ohtani. He's like, time, time. Let me throw in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get it authenticated. So here we go. There's an authenticator. I'm okay, the like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like authenticating. He struck out Shohei Ohtani. <laughs> And then Shohei
0: Otani would sign the baseball. Even up How the- sick is that? When you see that, what do you think about it? Like, did he call you afterwards? Dad, you won't believe it. What was the reaction
1: like? Yeah, so there's a there's a lot of moving parts to this in the video. First of all, he's throwing about uh, 65 miles an hour, and it's called an air cutter. When we play catch in the gym at home, he was messing around with it. and You, you grab the ball without any seams, and if you throw it at the right speed, it almost acts like a, a tight slider. And... Uh, so he threw a back door on him. And well, first of all, he's, he, he, only, he pitched in high school. He's pretty good in high school. And I told his manager at the time, A.J. Hinch, that don't tell him or he'll have you out there. So anytime he's pitching, you know uh, it's not a good thing. That means the team's getting blown out. <laughs> so, so what's his position? Second base. Gotcha. Yeah, so he's he, not even a pitcher. He doesn't pitch. He, he, played, uh, he can play a little first, little third uh, for matchup problems, even left field. But anyway, so he's in a, a blowout, which uh, uh, happened way too many times with the Tigers last year. <laughs> and uh, he threw the air cutter. It came back over the corner. He strikes him out, and he reacted. And that's when he called me, he goes, man, I, I didn't even know I pumped my fist out. I was fired up. I said, no, that's, that's great. I said, you know, that's what makes it fun for everybody to watch, and it, it's really cool for you to do it. Dad never struck this guy out, you know, so that, you know. And, uh, and then he had the mindset to call time and throw the ball out of play. And then he asked me, Hey, you think I send this guy will sign this? He goes, I said, absolutely send it over. I knew a few of the angel players. And, uh, but, yeah, that was that was the scenario. you know. And, again, you know it's a bad thing when it was the highlight of yeah. the Tigers' uh, season.
0: By the way, what do you think about him as a hitter, as a player, pitcher and hitter?
1: Yeah, you know, guys, I, I, I play the dad role again. I um, You know, the, the, the boys always tease me when I start getting into hitting uh, the philosophy or whatever. And if they ask me a question, they're just like, Pops, what do you know about hitting? You were just a great bunner. That's all you could do. You know, you <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, so – uh, I kind of just, uh, unless they ask me a pointy question, same thing with their teammates, their veteran teammates, I'll give them, a, I'll give them an answer. You'll see me at games, I'm kind of locked in on what's going on because I'm trying to watch the pitcher's tendencies. Um, I really focus on the catcher, too, because now with this uh, pitch clock, um, it's, you know, the catcher's really going to be the quarterback, if you will. and re- The catcher in the major league is second manager anyway. And so I'm watching tendencies. You know, he might get a home run or something like that, and, I, and, and I, don't, I don't even you know forget the clap, and the camera will be on me, and they're like, oh, you know, he's locked in or whatever. But, um, yeah, when I'm there, I'm just watching uh, everything that's going on. I was like that. I obviously was a student of the game when I was 21 years old, coming out of University of Texas. And, um, uh, I mean, I, just the other day I, I told the guys, I back in the early 80s, I kept my hitters on three-by-five index cards. Then it went to my BlackBerry. Then it went to my iPhone. To the point where I tell my pitching coach in our meetings before the playoffs or a World Series game, we're going over hitters. I'm over there. I'm not texting my friends uh, to come to the game. I'm actually logging stuff that I know. I also kept a book on the umpires. Uh, you know, I wanted to know that when an umpire was at this game that, um, you know, it might be a home game for him, and he's left eight tickets. He wants to look good. Mm. And, uh, you know, he might come out to the mound, and it was Durwood, whoever, say, hey, how's, you know, how, you know, how's Jennifer doing? You know, how, how's the family? And thanks, Rock, for asking. He runs back down. You might get that, you know, that borderline call. And um, it brings a personal element into it. But, um so, so all those keeping, things matters. You're all keeping those notes
2: matter. on each player,
1: the umpire,
2: coaches. Er, like you're just constantly keeping notes.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm 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 looking at what I'm doing, and then obviously on on a game day when you're going out there, you're going out there to see how, you know how you feel. I might not have 98 miles an hour that day. My shoulder, I might be a little underwater, as they say, and uh, but I was a power pitcher. I wasn't a thrower. I don't throw. I pitch, and I was afforded the luxury obviously being in Texas getting to know Nolan Ryan and watch Nolan never teammates but for I think three months in Boston during a playoff run we signed Tom Seaver Mm -hmm. and Seaver's the ultimate power pitcher Mm -hmm. I mean I'm watching a guy you know I I pitched till I was 45 but at that time I was probably 23 years of age in Boston and I'm watching a 40 plus year old man out there I can hear him grunting in the third fourth inning and uh, he's sitting at about 90 miles an hour, and I'm like, mm, "Okay." And then he got second, and third. And the game was on the line. Boom! He pop, popped one in there about 94 for a strikeout. I was like, "Ah, okay." He's got a little left in the tank here, so <clears throat> it was great. And even watching him was one thing, but having the opportunity to just to sit and keep my mouth shut and uh, learn from you know just just hear what he had to say. Um, did a radio show way back when with Don Drysdale. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we can go on and on, guys. I mean, it's I, I appreciate the uh, the uh, the guys that played before me because they were helped me make the living that I was able to make. I'm going to see one of my favorites here in a couple hours when I leave you guys, Reggie Jackson. I'm going to be be with Reggie. That's October. I'm going to be with him this afternoon. And he, he, I tell the story famously that he was the guy I wanted to face. I wanted to get the big league as fast as I could. I think I pitched 12 games in the minors. And then my second or third start in the majors, I got to face Reggie. And he was a California angel. It was, it was a blast. I mean, uh, you know, I almost couldn't make eye contact. You know, I couldn't make eye contact with him when he came to the plate. And, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was fun facing him, and and just the 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 guys that over 24 years I was able to face. The these na- growing up, who was your guy uh, when you're like you talked about Don Drysdale, Nolan Ryan. Yeah, prob- probably uh, probably Nolan and Seaver were were, were the guys. Reggie was uh, Reg- Reggie was one for sure. Um, you know, but I faced the Don Baylors, Dave Kingmans, Luzinski, the Bull, you know, all these guys all the way through the Albert Pujols's, you know. I think Albert called me – I know Kirby Puckett called me Heat. I think Albert called But he'd say, you know, Heat would always give me one good pitch to hit, and if I missed it or fouled it off, he, you know, I got you. Hmm. And, uh, but those are good battles. I mean, you know, I, I, I talked about in the clubhouse uh, the other day to the players. You know, I faced a Cal Ripken probably – even though Cal was my shortstop in multiple all-star games, i faced Cal Ripken, um, you know, say 120 times. So when the game's on the line at 60 feet, six inches, he's got like eight different batting stances, you know, where he holds his bat, playing the piano or playing the flute or whatever they call it he's doing. He's seen everything I can throw at him, including the kitchen sink, you know. So it's really a a game within a game uh, of how I'm going to try and get him out and do things like that. So – um i try and i try and tell the younger players about that it's changed a little bit we got the pitch clock strike zone now they pinch you east and west you get north and south a little better which i which i would like because i like featuring the ball high in the zone and then throwing my split finger down to jog your eye level um so um you know just great questions from uh a lot of the pitchers so the, um, the, the,
2: this this new pitch count Or this, uh, how long it takes to throw a pitch? Pitch clock, yeah. Pitch clock, sorry about that. So this pitch clock, is this the first season they're implementing that? Yes,
1: the minor league guys, the minor league guys have experienced it, but yeah.
2: So I kind of want to process that, like where you're at with this thing, because, you know, baseball, you know, America's pastime, the legacy of baseball, pastime, using that word intentionally. These days, the biggest sport in America is football. Basketball kind of has the biggest icons, if you will, LeBron, Steph, Giannis, you know baseball is all about tradition. You know, growing up, I was all about baseball. That was all I was at. You know, honoring the legacy, the past—Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, everything. Ty Cobb. How much do you think this pitch clock is going to change the game, and and not honor the pastime that was baseball?
1: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. I mean, even when you when you talk about the pitch clocks, you talk about the um, analytics. And I'm kind of in the middle of ground there. I'm not in the high end of it or, you know, push it to the side. It's going to change a little again now because you can't play – you can't do the shift. So, mm-hmm. my kid that's playing second, his feet – his feet, both feet have to be on the dirt. Um, you can't be playing, you know, having four outfielders or having a second baseman play just about right field. Um, pitch clock, the main thing that, uh, again, I, I preached it to two teams. When I leave here again, I'm going to – tomorrow I'm going to talk to Houston. And – uh you, the main focal point will be it, I think it's a focus thing now because you're speeding up and it's going to turn a pitcher into a thrower because all you're going to do is look at the catcher, get the sign real quick, and here we go, I'm heaving it. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes in the strike zone or you're going to throw some pitches without really uh, you know, being behind that pitch mentally and, and focused on where you want to throw it. So I, I think it will make uh, – Again, there's a couple pitchers that are wearing the uh, wristband that are calling their own game. Mm -hmm. I I called 95% of my game from the mound just with my looks, um, with my catchers. Had some wonderful catchers. You always give them guys props over 24 years. Had some fantastic catchers that paid attention to detail. And if one of those catchers got traded to another team and we were playing them, they knew knew my cadence and what I was doing with my eyes and which side of the plate I wanted to throw the baseball on. But... uh, Again, I think the main thing about the pitch clock is that guys are just going to start grabbing a ball, get a sign, mm-hmm. and throw it without understanding how you're trying to break a hitter down. Do you think –
2: because here's where I'm going with this, Roger. Um, do you think that this is something that's inevitable
0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Meaning like, listen, you got to evolve. That's just kind of how sports work. Hey, you got to adapt with the times. You know, and it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, the only thing constant is change. Or the other end of the spectrum, sign of the times you look at gen z these days or even younger kids you know elementary school and all that their attention span is so limited <laughs> right you know if you, if you don't get someone's attention in three yeah. seconds five seconds whether it's TikTok or snapchat they just can't pay attention they're not going to sit through a three and a half hour baseball game where it's a pitcher's duel and it's 1-0 going into the ninth and they're just like they want it quick they want it fast this this sort of instant gratification there's sort of the good, bad, and ugly of this. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Can you've got kids in their twenties, thirties, and you even have you said you had grandkids, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, the grand boys. So you've got a
2: good perspective on
1: age and and, and generations. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like you said. But with like like football, when I talk to the college football players, they, they, I mean, coaches, they 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 got to let music blare in the clubhouse now, and they got to have everybody's got a TV in front of their locker with their swag and their highlights on it. Mm-hmm. You just got to kind of roll with the roll with the times a little bit with these guys. You want to speed up baseball? We said, "Get rid of the walk-up music and everything else." But that's that's, that's, in, that's, <laughs> that's baseball, baby. Yeah. you got your walk-up music. Everybody's yeah. dialing and popping their collar. And now, you know, I, I pitched right through it. I mean, the early days. The early days. If you hit a bomb and you flipped your bat, oh, flip, yeah. do, do that to Nolan Ryan or Bob Gibson and see if you're even alive to play the next game. Straight up. I mean, it. Th- those. I mean, that was. You know, I, tell, I I'm jumping around here. I, my my, my uh, Don Drysdale. Uh, uh, uh story was i was 22 years old i just pitched in winter haven i was with the red sox i pitched my three innings against the the uh, dodgers who were in town obviously and and big don drysdale was doing his radio show i knew the name i didn't know him i would never met him six foot five our pr guy goes when you get done icing don drysdale's outside by the batting cage he's like to interview you for his show so i go out there and meet him he's a giant of a man and, I mean, uh, you're not
2: small, Roger. Yeah, you no, six, six four. 6'3", 6'4". Yeah,
1: I'm about he, – he was 6 – you know, he had me by a full inch. And uh, and so I go, um, uh, soft-spoken man. We go through 20 minutes his radio show, and he turned his radio off, and then this 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 different voice came out and is like, let me tell you something, kid. He goes, I've watched you. you got a chance in this game. I go, thank you, Mr. Drysdale. He goes, you know what my best damn pitch of the game was, kid? Mm-hmm. I go, no, sir, Mr. Drysdale. Now I'm kind of shaking like the 10-man. you him
2: Mr. yes, yeah, oh yeah, sir.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm 20. So I'm kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm got the 10-man shaking going on looking at the Oz here. And uh, he goes, you know what my best damn pitch of the game was, son? I said, no, sir. He said it was my, uh, it was my second knockdown pitch. You know why, kid? He said, because then the hitter knew the first one won an effing mistake. And I was like, "Yes, sir, Mr. Dry And I ran, I ran out of there. And uh, but that, that's that's the old school guys. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I think it's entertainment. You know, we've got the uh, cheerleaders now in the dugouts. You got your walk-up songs. The guys, you know. Uh, now, now I've kind of moved to um, if you don't like the way things are going, play better. Um, if you don't like the guy flipping his bat, and you know, keep the ball out of the middle of the plate, you, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of you're the one that hung it. But um uh, you know, like I said, I, I I agree with a lot of the um, the analytics. I, I get it, but you still have to have an eye and a heart test. You know, it was great for me, even in my advanced age. I was in my 40s, and say with the Yankees, Mel Stoudemire is my pitching coach, and I would come off in the seventh inning, and I was grunting out there, and you could tell that I was laboring a little bit, and he grabbed me, and he's like, you know, Joe, they want to they want to move to the bullpen, and because uh, it looks like you're emptying your tank. But Mel and I had a little system that now I go one hitter at a time. So I'm going back out for the eighth knowing that if this guy gets a base hitter, gets on, I'm coming out. So my eight warm-up pitchers are more intense, and now I'm really grinding on it now. I get him out, the best closer in the game, Mariano Rivera, only has to get four outs now. Mm-hmm. Boom, I get, an, I get a pop-up. Now he's only got, you know, so – that's kind of how we operated there, instead of just you know dragging somebody out of the game right away. The,
2: you're in town because one of your sons is playing. He plays for the Phillies. Yeah, the Cody's, okay. playing, Cody's playing for the yeah. Phillies. You said you gave a speech. Your best, Newt Rockney. Well, yeah.
1: Well, they they uh, the staff. There's about five guys on the coaching staff, including the manager Robbie Thompson, probably the best hitting coach right now in the major leagues. K Long. They they have a great staff. They have two frontline pitchers. The Phillies do. And, uh, but Robbie, once they traded for Cody, he called me and said, we're glad to have Cody. If you're coming down this way, would you mind coming in and, uh, visiting with the guys for 20, 30 minutes? So anytime the guys ask, even though I do, you know, I, I, I do a lot of work, uh, with the Astros foundation and stuff with the Astros, if those guys ask me to be a part of it, I'm all in, um, one of my former team, Red Sox, Yankees, if they asked to, you know, there's a. Few young pitchers that are knocking on the door to the major leagues uh, to visit with them uh, with the group of pitchers or one on one I do it I mean I was one of them and uh, like I said I think as you saw me light up earlier when I had the opportunity to play with Tom Seaver yeah I mean uh, you become a sponge
2: well I want to talk about this concept of of being you know, I guess fatherly advice right I'm right. not a father Pat's a father of four he'll be right back uh, but. You've kind of mentioned being a dad or even a grandfather these days. Obviously, you know, the easy question would be like, so you're, you played baseball, your kids played baseball. That's, yeah. you know, that's sort of a layup question. But a lot of parents want to give their kids advice these days, especially around coaching kids these days. The knock kind on of kids is they're all fat, they're lazy, they're playing video games. Uh, so speak to the dads out there, the parents out there. That want their kids to participate in sports, right? They they don't have the yeah. rocket legacy, right? Yeah. They're not Papa Rocket, but maybe they're athletes, or maybe they're not even athletes, but they want to give their kids advice on what to pursue, how to go at it, uh, play multiple sports, pick one. Yeah, you know, I, I more the most of the fathers that are fathers to players these days are probably didn't play in the majors like you. What are those conversations like and what advice do you have for yeah, you young got, fathers
1: out? there? you got there? my this is a great question. So You got my mind racing. There's just so much information there that that I try and pass along. I I think I think before I get into um, any uh, dad advice or mom advice, I mean, I I I think it's great that my oldest son teaches right now. He's had an opportunity to go coach in the minor leagues if he wanted to, but he's he, he's teaching seven year olds to college guys to the pros. Guy the pro guys come over and throw to him, and uh, what's really cool is he's got some single moms that are divorced or their their the kid's dad had passed away. And he's watched these kids, and he's worked with them from seven to where they're going into high school now, and they've improved so much. And at my foundation, um, we get wonderful letters about how, you know, thank you for what your son's doing for my kid. I knew this mom, I knew nothing about baseball, and mm-hmm. he's helped, helped my kid and got him in a team sport to understand how to work along and, and be a team player and do something as a group. Um, so I So I think about that. I think you have to understand where I came from, which people from afar, whether, wherever it might be, that they look at you and they, and it, and it really pisses me off sometimes because, you know, they talk about athletes having a silver spoon or something. Well, I, I wasn't born with this arm. My pops died when I was nine. I was raised by two strong-willed uh, women, my mother and my grandmother. Hmm. And just like my grandmother grabbed me, she said, if you're going to be a ditch digger, you'd be the best damn ditch digger in the country. Yeah, And that's the way she operated. Of course, she was the same grandma that took a switch and hit me on my hamstrings for throwing her, p- picking her grapes off the grapevine and throwing, <laughs> them, and throwing them at cars. She, she, she later said, once I made it to the major leagues, <clears throat> I knew that boy was going to be good because I knew he had an arm on him. He was throwing those grapes off my grapevine at passing cars all the time. <clears throat> so, you know, I watched my mom work three jobs. When I was in high school, she was an accountant by day, and I would go with her in um, <clears throat> warehouse buildings and, and, and and you know, watch her clean, help her clean. And so I could have a sweet red glove and a badass pair of cleats, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, you kind of have to start from there. Now, I wanted my boys to grow up differently. And, uh, you know, again, that's why I basically after the first couple years in Major League Baseball, I wanted to make a generational change. And then after I felt like I had my feet... St- you know, permanently in the ground in the majors. Then it was about winning championships again. It's what I learned at the University of Texas. You know, you mm. you win, and you know how to win. So when I went to Boston, I felt like I was bringing that winning tradition with me once I got drafted. The dads, I tell them at a 12-year-old game, your 12 12-year-olds playing third base, and we're sitting in lawn chairs. And even if you were a dad that was a really good high school or college player, don't forget how fast – that ball gets – it looks super slow to us. We're sitting there, and we could field that ball, but it gets on that 12-year-old very, very fast. He's trying to process that. So it's just a – it's a different game. Our game looks great when you're sitting in the third, fourth row. I would encourage you to come stand in the batter's box right. and just watch when I throw you a, you know, 95, 98-mile-an-hour fastball. This isn't your local batter ball where you go put the quarter in the machine and it throws you 10 balls down the middle. Um it's it's just a it's a whole it's a whole different uh, deal i mean i can't tell you I, I i threw a ball in one time a scout uh, told me uh, i threw a ball in 97 a guy squared it up it hit me in the shin at 132 i, I wanted to cry it hurt <laughs> yeah i wanted to cry it hurt so bad i mean i was my molars hurt they came out to the mound what was even worse to add to the just to put a little salt in the wound as they say the ball ricocheted off my shin into the the, the home side dugout we were on the road and uh, time I got collected, and they wrapped my big old. I had a big old knot swelling up on my leg. Uh, I looked over the guy standing on second. I said, "What the hell's? What's he doing?" They go, "It's what's a, what's a ground rule double. It hits you, <laughs> it, it hits you, and bounced the the guy gets second base." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, like, Thanks so, a lot. Yeah, thanks. One yeah. leg. <laughs> Takes so. Yeah, so. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I try and tell the parents. Um, um, even if they're playing football, ba- baseball, basketball, whatever. And instead of hollering out so many commands when you're on the mm-hmm. field or if there's something they did, make a little mental note, and then on the way home maybe turn the radio off in the car and have a good little visit about him. Always tell the kids, take zero talent to hustle. That You have no talent. We have a children's wing at home in Houston. There's a couple kids down there with the mm-hmm. uh, missing a hand and a leg. They would love nothing more to stand in the batter's box, take a full swing, and uh, hit a comebacker to the pitcher and fly down first base, chalk coming off their, you know, cleats, flying, and they'll never get the opportunity to do that.
2: Perspective, so gratitude. That's
1: it. So, uh, you know, uh, it takes zero talent to hustle. Uh, f- you know, I I, I I, have no problem from a eight-year-old to one of my big league guys making a physical, physical mistake. I love him laying out, trying to lay out for a ball. Whatever that might be, uh, obviously not fit, forgetting how many outs there are, or what you're supposed to do there. So, I think you know, sports is a great outlet. I mean, I I, I like that, but I also like the business side of everything too. Uh, we we look at that a lot. Uh, my 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 boys are you know definitely into that. Um, you know, they get to be their own guy, and and again, I think the uh, the biggest compliment I get it kind of oxymoron, but if you didn't know they were my boys, you wouldn't know it. They usually introduce themselves looking at you and I, handshake, and say their first name. And um, so, I mean, that's that's the way I look at what the dads do. I mean, I, I tell people, they say, oh, pressure and pressure and pressure this and pressure that. Pitching in game sevens of the World Series, been in six World Series, and two of the losses were the most emotional. But um, uh, uh, they talk about pressure. I tell people, I say, you want to know what pressure is? I say, come home with me and um, one of the boys are six, seven years old, and you're doing dad's pitch. You get six pitches, and I'm trying like hell to hit that kid's bat. <laughs> and 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 five pitches later, I haven't hit his bat, and one of the moms are up in the stand screaming at Jesus Christ, throw my kid a strike! Mm-hmm. You're a professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta throw. It. You know, I said that's pressure. I mean, you got You, you gotta literally did
0: that. So you you would go to oh a yeah, little, on an off and day. you would be pitching to kids. So so like Cody, I
1: got pictures of Cody when he was standing next to me in the dad circle. And you throw the ball, the kid hits it, you, you got to run off the field as the dad, and they go crazy. And so I get done pitching to our guys, and uh, I'm walking off. The opposing coach comes, said, Rocket, my kids, everybody know. Will you, will you throw to our team too? I'm like, oh my gosh! How old yeah. are the kids, by the way? Probably six, seven. Okay, yeah. A, <laughs> so you are I mean, just beating that little kid right. Yeah, in the you're, chest. Not, you're not supposed
2: to have twelve s- toughen up, kid. <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to have twelve <laughs> punch
1: outs in in dad's pitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not supposed to strike out twelve guys yeah, exactly. in dad's pitch. I'm trying to hit their Hey, mat, competitive so. nature is going to yeah, take over yeah, at some point, Sorry, yeah. kid. So, I mean, that's you know, and 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 your question was spot on. They'll be you know this off or whatever. And we'll go to a couple of these games with the grand boys, and and I'll have to call a couple of dads or a coach over and we'll go, guys, yeah. my boys and I, and even me, I, I said, do you remember any trophies that you won up to 12 years old? No. I said, let's keep your boys healthy because I do a thing with Dr. James Andrews, Andrews Institute, Pensacola. We developed hmm. a shoulder program for pitchers and the, the awesome most famous, uh, uh I'm, surgeon, I'm gonna, yeah, of course. he said he's done more Tommy Johns on 15 yeah, exactly. year olds and so on he, 15 year old, on 15 year old. Wow. Boys, yeah. He's encouraging them to play other sports, set the ball down, maybe play another sport. And, um, uh, but I just I, I preach to the high school guys, you know I'll go there and watch them throw, and the trainer comes over, and the guy pitches like mm-hmm. four and high school guys, a junior, senior in high school, and they'll put the ice on the kid's elbow with the uh, with the wrap, and they'll wrap it, and the next thing you know, he's sitting in the dugout for an hour,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you got a nerve in there, you don't want to ice, you know if you're a lot, lot of the guys don't ice anymore. We we did it all the time, and ice agrees with me. I got an ice tank. There's no way I would have pitched. Uh, until I was forty-five years old, without my body agreeing to ice. So I, I but think th- this
2: advice. The, so Pat's got four kids, yeah. two boys. They're playing sports. You know, I was uh, I played college football. as was a basketball player as well. I I had a little game, but I had the most got, no. contentious relationship with my father ever. Okay, you got like you talk about the dad that's on the sidelines yelling, screaming, hollering. It's just, A, it doesn't help. B, it's embarrassing, right? Yeah. And, and C, it's like, where, what, what are we doing here? We're, we're, in the, we're in front of everybody. It's just not a good look for the family. And I feel like a lot of fathers don't know how to handle, you know, they're watching their son in the game, right? Mothers are always going to be cheering and, you know, protective of their kid. But the – because more than anything, you bond with your kids – as a father and son sports wrestling. You wrestle with your kids all the time. It's different with a mother. Mother, you're hugging. It's kissing. It's more affectionate. But for you to be the guy that's like, no, take it down a notch. Like you're. Are, what do, how do you operate when you're in the stands? Even when they were younger, are you were you hooting and hollering and yelling. Were you just kind of quiet and stoic?
1: Yeah, I mean, how do you handle it? I, the mo- Everybody else is doing the cheering. I kind of get stoic. I, I'm. I'm watching how they're breaking. You know. The boys always say, "Dad, you know, I hit the home run. They showed you on the over, you know, in the seats, and you weren't even clapping I said, "Because I was kind of locked. I'm trying to watch this pitcher how he's breaking you down. I'm really focusing on the catcher because I know he's calling the game against you, so I'm looking for patterns, you know. But you know, you you clap and react, and then there's some other times where I'm amazed that this guy even pitched to you in this situation. I mean, Cody, when he was at Texas his last year, he he put the team on his back and carried the team, Mm. and and uh, again." I think I could take either one of you two with me to that clubhouse, and you guys could cover cover the, the, the analytics part, the sports part a little bit, because, like you said, you played. And, and, Pat, same thing with you know with the kids and what he's doing here. And, 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 and then even cover, as what, what I think is most important, even with some of these guys, the business part of it and what happens off the field, which is even more important to me when they come through that door – that they have their family stuff in order uh, we, we all have the same we all have the same I would say I don't want to call them problems issues it doesn't matter how much money you make right you still could have a girlfriend issue coming in the ballpark when you got a you're, you're on the mound in a, in, a, in a massive uh, a must win game for us and and you got to as soon as you get out of your car in a players parking lot you got to turn that off hmm. uh, because it, now it's your second family and this is what makes the world go round so i can't tell you how many players that i I wasn't a babysitter for him, but I would just be, like, reaffirm. No, that's not, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a big deal right now. Just focus here. Get focused on what you need to do here because once this game starts, stuff's going to be happening fast. And then I, I need to hear you tell me that the game is slowed down. That tells me that you've been practicing perfect. You did, you're you doing quality work. We don't need quantity. You do quality work. Now, if you're br- having trouble with your breaking ball, your release point, you got a pitcher, my pitching coaches are my eyes. I said, "Here's what you, whether it been a rookie pitching coach or a veteran, here's my three hot points. I want to feel tall, you know. I want to keep my chin down. I don't want to drift, and I want to stay back because in a big game, you're trying to hurry, just like a golfer. Golfer swings, you try and get up front. You're hitting a slice, so um, it, it, it's uh, there's just a handful. I don't even say a handful, maybe three or four hot points. Whether you're a control guy, '86, a Greg Maddox." pinpoint control too, a power, ridiculous power, control power Quantum. make that ball move like you read about yeah and uh, or, or myself and and Greg and I just did a, a thing for the golf channel we both said even though we throw almost 10 miles an hour difference mm-hmm. we both pitched off our fastball and we both um, you know he, he made a great point uh, a big compliment when they went to interleague play um, uh, he pulled up my starts because he knew I pitched off my fastball and I used both
0: sides of the plate and blah 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 Hmm, here's so. the questions I got. Um, the game. So uh, Anthony Edwards, the other day, is in the All-Star game. And I don't know if you know who Anthony Edwards is. Stud of a guy in the NBA. The guy's a rock star. I think he plays for the Timberwolves. Yeah, he's a, a fireball. Sport. I mean, he's just an exciting guy to watch. And he says, so what do you think about what's going on with uh, uh, the product of the NBA? And he says, you know, um, I if there's one thing I could change with the NBA is I wish – superstars will play every day and they wouldn't take these two, three days off, right? And then I, I saw Barkley yesterday. Uh, he's being interviewed by Stephen A. Smith. Not yesterday, probably two days ago, or three days ago. And Stephen A. Smith's talking to him about the future of the NBA, the product, all this stuff. He says, uh, Barkley said, the NBA is about to come up for uh, si- re-signing their new uh, TV deal, you know, whatever the TV deal they got to right. get. NFL gets great TV deals, but he's saying, hey, this new TV deal they did, they do, the company is going to be asking and saying, why the hell are we doing TV deals? People are not watching season NBA games because players are taking two, three days off and they don't want to work. So to me, the product of the NBA season has become shitty. That's my opinion. And I'm a guy that loves uh, the NBA. I don't even watch season anymore because it's fake to me. We got seven guys averaging 30 points a game. Annoying. This ain't no real basketball. If you're, you know, the other day, all-star game, the worst all-star game of all time. Sacramento Kings were playing the Clippers the other day. The winner won 176 to 175. That doesn't even make any sense to have a score like that, right? So I think that's hurting the NBA product. Do you think AI and predictive analytics is taking the emotion, fun, complete game that pride, the shutout concept out of MLB? Do you think AI is kind of getting people to say, well, we're going to have three different pitchers today. You're going to pitch three innings. You're going to pitch three innings. But that's that's kind of <laughs> cool to get that, but dude, it's—I don't like that as a fan. So, uh, you think these guys are no longer thinking about what fills up the seats and what gets people to watch season baseball? Is that a concern of yours?
1: I, I think you—I think you're dead on, uh, Pat. Um, listen, l- let's start with the NBA. So you got to understand when I came up with the Red Sox uh, across the street, I got to go over and watch Larry Bird, mm-hmm. and I got to watch uh, Mikhail and Danny Ainge, and uh, damn. Yeah, some some parish. straight you're talking about your parish. You know I mean, straight trash talkers, right? Mm-hmm. And uh Red's there doing his thing and on parquet floor. So I, I was I was lucky, you know, enjoy, I I actually did a little BS show, uh I think it was called The Rocket Report. I had I interviewed Michael uh, Jordan and uh I was just with Michael not too long ago in at his course and uh i just smile and laugh about it that we were so young and <laughs> but what I'm saying is you're exactly right. It seems like in the NBA, I mean, if you, if you give an NBA player two feet, you know, you're, uh, you're, I'm guarding you from two feet, you're making that shot every time, and 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 I've heard the stories too. They go down and. Uh, you got your 32. Yeah. I got my 28. Let's play defense the last five minutes. See who wins. But the scores are that that's, you know, that's why the scores are well over a hundred and doing things. There's just, I mean, other than the playoffs, like in baseball, I preached, it's great that you guys can slug. But when you get to the playoffs, pitching a defense is going to win for you. It's no difference having a great defense in the NFL but if, if i'm if if I'm giving you this distance from where we sit right here pat i mean you're scoring you're you're gonna you're gonna score fifty and uh so again i i don't watch a lot of the NBA i watch when I know my friends in the NBA are playing I watch them because we have this same conversation you know about what's going on i have the same conversation with my 30 pga buddies is you know and some of them are bitching and moaning that i'm in, not in the top 30 and they're pissed off so well you play better and we talked about it early mm-hmm. you know do something about that and play better is what you got to do so um the changes in major league baseball you hit it dead on um there's a bunch of old school coaches uh in these camps and i'm going to experience it tomorrow and i'll see some of them and they'll, they they tell me you know like i said when I was on the mound, in the seventh inning, and here comes the pitching coach or the manager, I got the ball tucked under my armpit. And when he gets him out, I said, "What the hell are you doing out here? Get your ass back in the dugout. I'm I'm gonna finish this game, or I'm gonna eat as many uh, outs right now as I can." We talked about it earlier. And um, there's only three or four, maybe a Scherzer. Uh, there's a few. There's a few Verlander. He'll he'll stretch it out now. That he's got a got a new elbow. Uh, he's been stretching it out and doing his thing, and. Um, but there's a handful of those guys, but you're right. Uh, I, I won't mention the name, but I was, in a, I was in a locker room during the game talking to actually a couple of the analytic guys. The pitcher that pitched that came out after five innings. He was done. He was winning the game three to one. He saw me. You know, you knew I was there to watch too. And he came in like he was exhausted after five innings. Rips his jersey off and kind of throws it in the laundry basket on the floor. And I was talking. I said, hold on a minute, guys. I go, I go what are you doing? Oh, I'm done. I'm done, Mr. Clemens. I'm done. Five. I said, yeah, you want five innings. I said, pick that shit up. There's no way it's dirty and hang it back in your locker. There's no way. There's no way <laughs> I that dirt. I love that. Yeah. I, I love said, pick that, that yeah. shit up. Yeah. And he, he started to, I go, no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't. But uh, I said, no, I'm just messing with you. So, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, they're, they're doing some things where they call them openers. You know, they're, they're bringing in the, the the long man first, and then they're going that way too. So, I get that you protect. They protect. They they watch me early in my 20s, uh, still at about 115, 120 pitches. When I got in my 40s, they kept an eye on me in August because we were going to the playoffs. So they wanted me fresh in October. Uh, A lot of times, if I was the game one or game seven, I was always game three swing because that's a big momentum. Do you go down two? A lot of times, I was pitching where we were down 0 and two and. I couldn't have a hiccup when I went out there. We, this was, you know, a must win is a must win. One of the biggest ones was game three in 2001 when President Bush came out and threw out the first pitch, mm-hmm. threw a perfect strike. And uh, he actually came in with his bulletproof vest in New York. We're playing the, um, the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and we're down 2 nothing. And Mr. Steinbrenner had brought back all the, all the police officers and firefighters and people that lost their loved ones. I, I – it was, uh, it was uh, probably one of the, the, the most emotional games I had to pitch because when I busted out of the locker room in old Yankee Stadium, i turn right and go about 20 yards to go to the weight room to do my cuff work and get loose. I don't like running in front of the fans and stuff. I'll, I'll get on a treadmill and get on my pre. So when I go out there, I'm hot, and here we go. And I busted out of the clubhouse door, and like I had some men and women, some firemen just hugging me, and Man, I was like, "This, this is
2: a is... month after 9 11, not even yeah. right."
1: So, I was supposed to pitch this, uh, and I'll tell you guys this while I'm on the topic and I'm thinking about it. I played 24 years. I tell people I consider myself a great team player. Um, it pales. To the trip that I did, so I was supposed to pitch nine to nine eleven. I was a New York Yankee going against my former team, the Red Sox. So everybody and their mother were in town. I was going for my twentieth win. I usually try and sleep to about eight thirty on on game day. We get we get in about one after night game order from the the, the Yankee Stadium. My buddy was only two floors. We got an overlook floor that upstairs. I put turf in that you can kind of look out the city, real pretty. Eight miles, nine miles from World Trade. Banging my door down about eight eight oh five. And I'm like, man, what's up? Something happened to World Trade. So, out our bay window up there on the 25th floor, I'd always see um, four-seat airplanes going down the Hudson. So I thought it was a mishap with one of the planes that go down to tour the mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty. He goes, no, it's it's bigger than that. So we run up. We could hear and feel the second plane go back down. Turn turn on the tube. See all hell's breaking loose. Dorman's at my place. Says, you guys need to. They're going to shut down bridges. You need to get out of get out of here. So we went to my buddy's place. We loaded everybody up. My wife was there, had a bunch of girlfriends there. We had other friends we called. People were all in town to watch my 20th. And we, and we busted out of there. Fast forward, we all know what happened How uh, what happened in our, our lives and um, how our world changed. General Myers, our four-star general at the time, went to high school with my agents. He, he called and said, would Rocket go to the Middle East to see our men and women? And I said, we called Drew Carey, the comedian. Drew went with us. Uh, told some jokes. Seven days, a booklet about the size of my iPhone cover, uh, uh, military time. Um, we lost one person when we were over there. Uh, it's really the only time I saw General Myers get, up, get upset. They dressed him down until the media knew that we're, we went into Afghanistan to a base they just bombed. Uh, but anyway, uh, I met, uh, you know, again, so if anybody – I had five uncles that served – I lost uh, my oldest brother. He served in Vietnam. And uh, so anytime, just like I, I, I let off at this speech in front of the guys because the Phillies actually have one or two guys that had uh, uh, served, and now they're trying to pick up their baseball career. I mean, back in the day, Ted Williams and all these guys. Um, it was a normal thing back then. But Yeah. World War II, yeah, of yeah. course. Uh, 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 and uh, so anyway, it was it was an unbelievable trip. Um, I saw, uh, you know, people that again, make me feel comfortable on center stage in front of 55,000 people to be able to do my job. Uh, that night that president Bush threw out that first pitch, there was, I was in the bullpen with Mel Stoudemire, my pitching coach. We turned around we were in the silhouettes. You could see about 14, 15, uh, uh, sharpshooters on top of the stadium. Damn. And it was just, and it lit up like a Christmas tree. He threw a, a beautiful strike. The two stories, you guys probably, you may have heard them already. I'll tell you the the, the, the two funny things. I'll, I'll regress here in a minute, but um, uh, uh, I, I knew we were really close with 41. I knew 43, but not as well as I did. We even called him Gampy. That's why he called a grandkids, Gampy. Anytime I went to Kenny Bunkport, we got to throw horseshoes. I got a damn horseshoe pit in my house because of him. He sent over a 30-page fax on how to mix the clay with the sand. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's serious about his – HW. Yeah, he's serious. Uh so, um, uh, 43, he's got the bulletproof vest under his deal. He wants to throw. I said, Mr. President, you're going to um, you're gonna have to go out the door, go to the right about 100 yards. It's, you know, old Yankee Stadium. You know, it's, there, we got ghosts running around in that place, right? And the, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the batting cage is all the way down there. I said, Posada and Jeter and come of the guys, probably down there doing their T work or whatever doing to get ready, so you'll see them. He says, great. So, he goes down there. And uh, those five or ten warm up pitches, realize he can do it. And then I wasn't there. This and this is the word I got, and I, I think it was on a documentary. But uh, uh, he on his way out the door with all the Secret Service, he stops. He sees Derek, shakes his hand. He says, "Derek." He goes, uh, "Any pointers?" <laughs> and uh, Derek goes, "Well, Miss President, yeah, you can't throw from the grass, not the dirt. You got to get up, you know, where Rock is at on the rubber, and you got to let it fly from there." Mm-hmm. "Oh hell, I can handle that, no problem. I can do that." And then he says, "Anything else?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "This is New York, Mr. President." And if you bounce it, they will boo you. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes, "Oh, now I'm nervous." Yeah. So, so he told that one. My, I'll go back to my trip to the Middle East. This is what they they all now. Again, I'm six four. They had two Marines as my bodyguards, and they're both six six. I look like a no no offense to punters, and then but I look like a punter standing <laughs> next to these guys, and. Uh, uh so they had me covered. They said when we tell you when you jump in the crowd and you're signing for all our military guys, I'm gonna whisper in your ear, you got two minutes to get to the chase vehicle, you gotta get to the chase vehicle. No problem. And they they both so when I got to uh we actually flew over on Air Force Two. Then when we got to Shannon, Ireland, we jumped on, they put me on a C seventeen transport plane with twenty five of the baddest ass Marines you've ever seen in your life. And these guys were getting on me because I had a second suitcase. I was like one of, you know, a chick. You know, I brought, you know, my (laughs) clothes and I had a second suitcase. Pack light, buddy. (laughs) Pack light. No, they're on me. So I told them I'm pretty finicky about what I eat. Plus, I got to be careful with seafood. I dine in it, man. I look like Rocky Balboa within a, you know, cut me mick. And uh, so, um, uh, but in this second suitcase, I had nothing but oatmeal. Cliff bar. I had I had powder and 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 granola and everything because um, the two times I pitched for Team USA, jumping here, getting long winded on y'all, but uh, playing for Team USA, you know, I, I I went over there and a couple guys got food poisoning, we had to send them back, and I found like a chef boyard for two weeks. I found like a chef boyard- a, 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 a spaghetti and a Diet Coke, and I lived off that for seven days, eight days over there during during that uh, USA game. So I was being careful. I'm not going to go over and get sick, and uh, so I got this all this stuff, and they were bitching and moaning me about it. But I was teasing my agent before I went. I said, "Hey, I'm taking this extra suitcase full of stuff because I'm not going to get over there and you know eat eat a camel or something. <laughs> Just mess with. Me. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Funny. So day six, we're at this princess thing in Kuwait City. They cook two lambs in the ground. They bring them out. Now I, I sat at a table with some of the guys I've gotten to know. I didn't want to sit at the head table with all their, you know, all their people and, and uh, everything that was going on. But General Myers is up there and everybody else, and they go, you're up here, you're sitting front and center with us.
2: Roger Clemens, I mean. head of the table.
1: So I'm looking, they got an interpreter and everything, and they set the first plate, and there's, pot, there's a pita bread, white rice, and I got a diet 7-Up, and I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna. this is, this is, going, this is it. It's going to be my mm-hmm. meal. <laughs> Out of nowhere, don't you know they drop a baby camel, right? <laughs> from, a baby camel. Hump, Get teeth, everything right here. And I'm like, you guys are messing. Now I'm getting punked. Yeah. I said, no, you guys are messing with me now. And I said, I'm not getting that. Well, my agent had the guy. They cut into it, and we're not eating. The first cut into it by the, by the hump, okay, it looked like Bernays was coming out of it. All right? I'm like, you got to be kidding. And they dug around with these big tongs, and then yeah. boom! next thing you know, he pulled out some meat that looked like shredded pork. And he puts a softball size on my plate, and everybody's looking at me. And, and these guys are like – they're all – and Drew Carey's looking. And I'm like – and I pushed that around my plate for like an hour. <laughs> an hour. I mean, I didn't care if we started a world war or something. You know, I, I'm – you know, so – and then and then uh, 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 Drew's girlfriend at the time she she was dipping into my stuff and I was like yeah y'all are bitching you know getting on my ass for bringing this and now yeah, look, and now what? you want my oatmeal yeah, yeah now you want my oatmeal <laughs> so anyway that's my but anyway if anybody out there and uh, you guys know uh, if you if you served or anybody has served I I friggin tip my hat to you and say thank you uh, it doesn't go unnoticed uh, we do a help and a hero deal where um uh, we got uh, we're building 100 homes uh for our military men and women that served for us and and gave the ultimate sacrifice and uh we got johnny morris from bass pro he's he's playing a big role in this for us so again i thank you guys you uh, know th-
0: th- what a what a great story by the way i watched that thing on um the, i'm sure you saw jeter's captain documentary i thought it was really good yeah. and and you know, there was a whole section with you in it. Oh, yeah. the, the whole 9 yeah. 11 George Bush. That was interesting yeah. to, to watch that. Obviously, you forget sports. If you're a fan of the sports, like, you know, like, I, like we are, you know, you, you look at it from our lens. Your lens is different than our lens. We're watching you. But when you saw that, you're like, I totally forgot. Can you show the first pitch when he threw a, a, yeah. a, a President Bush's first pitch right what, what, there? Yeah, take a look uh, at this. Uh,
1: an absolute perfect strike. He's got a bulletproof vest on underneath this jacket.
0: Let the audio, let the audio. Let's hear the audio. That's Look at that. (laughs) How great was that? (laughs) How great was that? I'm out in the bullpen right there. And yeah, watching that. That stadium lit up like a Christmas tree. By the way, is that's, uh, uh, that's one of the greatest first pitches a celebrity is throwing uh, at a game uh, w- with all the pressure like that. 100%. Because the complete opposite is the one that I just sent you. Can you play the other one that shows the top ten <laughs> worst? Uh, uh, tell me which one of these is bad on your I've list. Go this. ahead and play. Let's, Let's hear the audio. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think one of the girls was a gymnast and did like she a watched, cartwheel yeah, or did something. Did you see that? So this is uh, – this is this is who Carlos. Yeah, I can't oh, see who it is. Yeah, All right, let's see how Carlos. Yeah, watch, watch, it, oh, watch it!
2: Watch <laughs> <laughs> it! running, buddy. How does that happen? You're you're the greatest athlete.
1: Who else? Oh, this is this is a good one here. I know what's happening here. Oh,
0: beautiful pitch. <laughs> he threw him out. This is gonna end. MJ? MJ? Yeah.
2: No, MJ. At
0: the-, <laughs> the cubbies. By the way, you would have thought Michael would have thrown like a perfect, you know, because he played baseball.
2: Well, it was aggressive, you know, so that's better than throwing a grounder. Come on, Barack. Yeah,
1: here we go. All of a sudden, it's showtime.
0: Oh, lefty, that's right.
2: Jeez. All right. Did you catch
0: it?
1: Yeah. All right. At least caught
2: it.
0: Uh, This is the one. This is Nolan Ryan. Most well, this, this, what he threw. This,
1: this still might have been 85 miles an hour. <laughs> 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 and when he was 60, what <laughs> is year Nolan! Oh, man. Just I a I bit outside. That.
0: You didn't see that one? No, that's a normal pitch for Nolan. <laughs> he, he pitched
1: inside a lot. He just brushing <laughs> him off. He, he knew exactly where he was going with that. There, there's, there's a first pitch somewhere that absolutely that, wears Ba-ba out. Of, buoy. Yeah. 50
2: cents. Oh, 50. So they don't want this album to come out. Oh, oh man.
1: That's a, that's a splitter right there. You found some that I've not seen before. John Wall. <laughs> oh, my yeah, goodness. John, Who was that? That was it, John, John Wall. Wall.
2: Yeah, it looks oh, easy. Yeah. The point guard.
0: Oh, here you go. This is the one.
2: That's just Great embarrassing.
0: Great
2: Just embarrassing. Can you go back to George W. Bush's, by the way? By the way, th- this moment right here, this was... You know, I'm all about presidential approval ratings. Uh, This was the highest presidential approval ratings I think we've had in that moment right there in, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 years. Uh, You know, right now we're sort of hovering. You're lucky these days if you get to 50%, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump. Even Obama was struggling to get to 50. He was at 80% at this time. It's
0: pretty wild to think about, 80%. We had him at an event. I, I had him at the same event that we had the late Kobe Bryant at. And when I announced, uh, hey, and, and the speakers at this event will be President George Bush. Silent. Because some people were not wanting to see him. Some people were very happy. But it was 50-50. I said Kobe, everybody forgot. They lost their mind. So Kobe, uh, uh, President Bush comes. We, we do the event. There's 6,000 people there. 6,200. And uh, we have a great conversation in the back. And then afterwards, he's doing photo-op with 100 people that qualify to do the pictures. And I'm standing there the entire time because I just want to hear what people are going to say. And people would say things like, let me tell you, I saw you as this, and when you were president, I thought you were this, and I thought you were that, but the message you gave today, because he just opened up. He says, let me tell you what I did. I used to do this. I had a bad habit of doing this. I had a bad habit of doing this. The way he spoke that day, everybody fell in love with the guy that day, the way he spoke, President Bush. So it's interesting that you're saying how... One day they love you, next day they hate you, next day they miss you, the next day they hate you. You have to be patient because if you're loved today, take your time. Someone's going to hate you in about a couple uh, months. Yeah. And if they hate you yeah. today, be patient. Trust me, there's love around the corner as well. <laughs> this whole concept about how you deal with love hate relationship. How did yeah. you handle that as a player? Because that's that's got to be something you experienced. Well, a
1: lot. I played with two of the most historic teams. You know, I, I consider myself really lucky. You know, uh, being drafted by the Red Sox out of the University of Texas. You know, so I mean, the Rangers and the Astros were following me so close at Texas. You know, again, I got to go back to when I was in high school. I was the third best pitcher on the team. I had two – I I took classes early so I could graduate at 17. Um, But when uh, there were two other guys, a righty and lefty, back in the 80s that threw over 90 miles an hour, which was, you know, rare, uh, the scouts were coming to watch him. Now, we got in the playoffs a couple times. I was a better defensive end than I – was probably a pitcher, first baseman, and uh, really, yeah. I was six two. I was still, you know, baby fat. You know, I was young. Roger, your hands are uh, massive hands. Yeah, yeah. I got my granddaddy. I got my those hands. Are, yeah.
0: Is that a benefit for a pitcher, or is well that- for
1: that split finger? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! <it> is. Yeah. <laughs> So, Look at the size of that ring, but yeah, the way. that's our national. I wear my national championship ring more, and I do. Uh, why is uh, that? Why? Just because um, more pride. I, I, yeah, it, I, it got started. It really happened for me at the university. Again, um, you know, jumping around. I had three wonderful coaches coming up. You know, I lost my pops, my high school coach. Um, great, great coach, better teacher of the game and life lessons. Then I go and I get to play for Wayne Graham, one of the winningest coaches in college baseball. Turned the University of Rice program around. Great coach, better teacher of the game, baseball lifer, and um, he watched me grow and mature that year. Pop over to Texas, play for the winningest coach at that time, uh, Cliff Gustason, and um, Gus the same thing. Great coach, uh, better man and teacher of what we were doing, life lessons. Uh, my boys go to the University of Texas; they play for the winningest coach in baseball, Augie Garrido, who since since passed. Augie was Augie was gave them. Some great life lessons. So, uh, again, that's where I came from. I, I was the third best pitcher. i tell the kids, nobody. But I threw strikes, and I had a little Bugs Bunny curveball. So when those older guys, everybody came to see him, they didn't wet the bed, they shit the bed. Coach <laughs> would bring me in the game because I threw strikes. He, coach always said after, you know, I, got, uh, I, I made it a couple years in the big leagues, he said, you know, uh, that kid, I could bring him in, turn the lights out in the stadium, he could throw strikes. So then when I got to Texas, we didn't, there was no baseball lifting stuff. We lifted with the football guys. So my legs got stronger, grew two inches, fastball started jumping. Next thing you know, I mean, the same reason why I went to Texas on scholarship. Mom didn't have the money, so I was paving my way, and she wanted me to stay in school. When I, when I got drafted um, after my freshman year, um, the scout said, you know, if he didn't sign right now, he'd probably never get another chance. My mom basically told him, and I was in my room crying for two days. She kicked the scout out of the house. And said he's going to school. I want him to get his education. So that's kind of how that's that's you know that's kind of how my path you know took place. And then um, Boston drafted me. I was like, Boston? Well, I don't even know. I wasn't sure where even Boston was. You know. <laughs> and uh, but my mom, the history, we're, we love history, and um, uh, uh, she wrote me a poem about Fenway Park. And then when I got the Fenway, um, you know, the green monster. The, the, be- the best was when they called me up. Uh, didn't, I don't think cell phones are there. This was 83, and I was watching a game. I think Dennis Eckersley and Palmer were pitching, but they bring me in. I get in the cab at the airport, and I've got my face in a paper, and the guy stops. Cabby stops, and this brick. I see this brick building. And the cabby goes, here you go, kid. I go, Cabby, I, I'm a professional ball player. I'm going to Fenway Park i said this is a looks like a warehouse because it's like i see the brick only you know and he goes this is fenway park kid get get your ass out of my cab!" <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and i and, and i get out and the team meets me and they bring me up the tunnel and the tunnel right you know on first base side where you see the green monster and then to go you know there uh and, and, and jump forward to playing as long as i did both the two older boys and i had devin and i had a little 10-year break and then the other boys are, are in their 20s now um they were able to see me play long enough. When the boys make a comment, as I pops, and you know you pitched right where Luke Garrett gave his farewell speech, mm. or you know they, I played in the Bob Hope tournament twenty years. I had Yogi Bear as my partner a couple of times. You know having Yogi, I mean the guy's got he's got ten rings. Was so. he funny as hell? Was he? he oh yeah, oh he played it up. I told him I said, hey, about third or fourth hole, all this media follows. So I, I want to get an eight by ten of you and I. I'm gonna I'm gonna line my putt up. I want you leaning over like you're reading it for me. But we were doing it seriously. There was a, it was funky. and I kind of knew which way it was going to break. But I hear we staged this photo, and people are everywhere. And I out loud, I go, Yogi, what do you think? Which way? You know, what, which way this ball going? He goes, better you than me, kid. And he walked <laughs> off. And it Yogi he was, and a little, yeah, he, he was. I, I always told Yogi that uh, the two catchers I wish I would have thrown to were Yogi and Johnny Bench and uh, yogi goes, why 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 me i said cuz i see all the old ho- uh, photos of you yogi and uh, you never could squat down you you know, i would get the high strike for sure cuz you could never squat